Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, I was, uh, Sandy and I had to go to, we were at MD Anderson uh, Hospital down in uh, Houston. We were there for a couple of days, and I had some tests that were being run. And just for those who were going, whoa, what was he down there for? They came back great, amen. All the reports came back wonderful. I'm thankful for that. So while we were there, uh, we had to go to the restrooms because, you know, know, it's just part of life. Sometimes you just... Need to go to the restroom. And so uh, we, uh, we found the restrooms and we went in. Uh, of course, now Sandy went to her side and I went to mine. You don't ever want to get those confused. And so, uh, uh, so I, I, I made it out first. And gentlemen, you understand, you know, that's just the way it works. I was standing out there waiting on my wife. And as I was waiting on my wife, I saw a gentleman come in. Uh, he came in from my right. He's coming down the hallway and he's, he's entering into the restroom, the men's restroom. And as he's going in, um, I do see that he has uh, walking aids, and because of his condition, he had walking aids. And so when he got to the edge of the door, right before he went in the door, he, 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 he bent down a little bit, and he pushed this stainless steel square pad. And when he pushed that, the door flew open. He pushed it, the door to the restroom opened up. And, and I, I looked at that, and I thought, now I walked right by that big stainless steel square and didn't even notice it. Has that ever happened to anybody? You just walk right, right by something that's just obvious and you're just like, I didn't see it. So I'm looking at it and I'm wondering, John, why didn't you see that? So big, it's so obvious. And so I began to think about this gentleman as he's coming in and I thought, you know what? He was looking for it because he needed it. He was giving his attention. He, matter of fact, before he ever got to that point, in his mind, he was looking for some sort of a button, some sort of device, so that he could enter into where the place it needed to be, this case being the restroom. And so here's what I learned in that moment. Here's what I learned in that. How many of you believe it's important to learn something as often as you can? Ask yourself questions and think. Matter of fact, I believe, I believe that's one of the, the, the times that the Holy Spirit can teach you something, right? And so I, this is what I learned in that moment, that, that people, people give their attention to what they believe they need. That people give their attention, people are paying attention to what they believe that they need. In other words, this man, this gentleman knew that he needed help getting into the restroom and so therefore his eyes were looking for his attention was going towards what he believed that he needed that is the reality of life can somebody say amen to that if you think about it if you think about it you give your attention to what you believe that you need think about it you give your attention to what you believe that you need but listen to me It is possible, it is possible that at times you believe you need one thing, but the reality is you need something else. You believe that you need one thing only to discover that you really need something else. Let me give you a couple of biblical examples of that. There was a man that was um, outside of a temple and a gate of a temple and he had been there for, for, for years and, and so there was one uh, day that, that Peter 
and walked into that temple gate and the man, the Bible says the man looked at Peter and he said, Peter, uh, I, I, I need some help. Give me some money. And he said that he looked expecting to receive this from Peter. Why? Because this gentleman believed that he needed money. But how many of you know that's not really what he needed? Peter recognized money is not what you need right here. Come on now. Money is not what you need because I can give you money today. Tomorrow, you're going to be in the same place and I'm going to have to give you money again and again and again. The man believed that he needed money from Peter. That's the reason his attention went on Peter. But Peter looked and said, no, sir, that's not what you need. What you need is what I have to give you. And that's God's power. Get up and walk. Is anybody in the, anybody in the room thankful for God's power to heal? Amen. Amen. But the man didn't think he needed healing. He just thought he needed some money. Yeah. Give you another example. Jesus, Jesus was preaching. How many believes that Jesus was a long-winded preacher sometimes? So if your pastor ever goes over time that he's allotted to speak, just to remember he's just being like Jesus. Because so Jesus was preaching. He was preaching these, uh, actually it was a series, this message, is in, uh, this message and there were, there were people that began to gather. They were not in town. It was not in the convention center. They were way out in the, in the wilderness or way out in the, out in the outer, outer edge of town, I should say it that way. And so the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you need to send these folks away so they can get something to eat. Now, I have to believe that maybe, just maybe, their motive for making this request to Jesus wasn't about the people. I think they got hungry. I think they were like, Jesus, man, we are hungry and we would like something to eat. They just used the people as an excuse. But they said, Jesus, you need to send these people away. We need to send these people away. And that's what needs to happen here. And Jesus said, no, 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 that's not what needs to happen. What needs to happen is you need to feed them. You need to feed them. Jesus set them down and the, the disciples fed the 5,000. You do realize that Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. The disciples fed the 5,000. Because Jesus told them, you will feed the 5,000. Jesus took the loaves and the fishes and he handed to the disciples and they fed the 5,000 because that's what Jesus asked them to do. Great, great lesson there. Anything that Jesus asks you to do, he'll help you do it. Amen. Amen. What, what about, what about the, 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 there was a, Jesus was walking along with the disciples one day and two of his disciples came to him and they said, hey, Jesus, it's kind of a secret thing. Hey, Jesus, hey, um, we would really love to be able to sit at your right hand and your left hand in the, your glory. In other words, you know, when we get out on the, this side, on the other side of uh, now, you know, like in eternity, we want to sit on your right hand. We want to sit on your left. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, that's not what you need. You see, they were looking for position. They were looking for power. They were looking for privilege because they believed that they needed it. And Jesus said, no, 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 guys, you got it all mixed up. That's not what you need. You need to learn to serve one another. You see, Jesus is not concerned with position. He's not concerned with privilege. He's concerned with purpose. And that's exactly what he brought them to. He said, your purpose in the earth is not to be served. Your purpose in the earth is to what? Serve. It's not about 
uh, position. It's not about privilege. It's about what? Purpose and your purpose is to serve. They thought they needed one thing and Jesus said, no, 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 that's not what you need. Again, because it's possible. It's possible to believe you need something only to be mistaken. It's a good word this morning, isn't it? I want to speak to you today about something that I'm convinced we desperately need. We desperately need this, ladies and gentlemen. And it's something that we need to give our attention to. And you say, what is that, Pastor? What's, the, what's this all about? Where are you going with this? And this is what we need. This is what we are in desperate need of. This is what we need to give our attention to. And that is we need to learn to simplify our life. We need to learn to simplify our life. Listen to Proverbs chapter three, verses five through six is trust in the Lord. If you've been around church, you've probably heard this. Maybe you've read it many times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Verse six, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your paths. What? Now, if the Bible says that God can make your path straight, it must mean that your paths can be crooked. Again, if your paths could be made straight, that means it's possible for your paths to be crooked. And you say, well, Pastor John, what happens when my paths are crooked? What happens when the path of my life becomes crooked? Well, here's what happens. It becomes less clear. You can't see as far. It becomes more complicated because you've got to wind and turn and you don't know what's around the next bend. And, and here, here is the reason this is so, so important. When our paths get crooked, when life gets complicated, there's something that can seep into our life that we can find ourselves doing that's very, very destructive in our life. It's a sin that's very, very destructive in our life. And you say, what could that be, Pastor John? And the answer is worry. Now, I knew that I was not going to get the great response that I didn't get when I said that. I'm, I just knew that people weren't going to go, praise God, he's talking about the sin of worry. And you know why you didn't do that? You know why you didn't say that and you didn't respond that way is because you worry and you don't think it's sin. Aren't you glad you came to church on a Sunday morning? Because we have a tendency to go, well, if I do it, it's not sin. <laughs> right? Don't we? I mean, if I do it, it's not sin. Now, somebody else will do it. You're talking to the next person over here because I don't, I don't worry. But here is, here's what I want to say about worry and the sin of worry. Worry will destroy your life. You read medical studies and you'll see that worry is connected to, worry is connected to some of the major conditions that destroy our bodies, even emotionally. It can tap us out. I mean, it will greatly affect us if we allow sin to remain in our life, the worry of sin. But here, here, here is what I could do. I could stand up here this morning and go, stop worrying. Stop it. I could walk over to this side and go, stop. Stop it. Stop worrying. And then next week you come back and if I were preaching next week, then I would stand up again and I would say, stop worrying. Just stop it. But that's not going to do any good, is it? And here's why. Worry is just a symptom. Worry is a byproduct of something else because if you, if you, if you, if you follow the thread of worry, eventually you're going to come back to the fact that we're not 
trusting God. Say that again. If I can stop here, start here, and I'm saying, okay, I'm worried and I'm, I'm consumed with worry. If I started tracing that thread back, eventually I'm going to come back to the point that I'm not, I realize that I'm not trusting God. Are you following me? Proverbs 3, 5, let's go back to that. It says, trust in the Lord with all your what? Trust in the Lord with what? Trust in the Lord with what? Not part of it, not a portion of it. With what? In other words, I'm all in, God. I'm trusting you with everything. So when does worry show up? If you're taking notes, write this down. When does worry show up? Number one is this. When your circumstances, worry happens when your circumstances are bigger than God. Worry happens when your circumstances are bigger than God. Listen, when we trust that the power of our circumstances to sink us is greater than God's power to save us, we're gonna worry. You say that again? When we trust that God's power, uh, excuse me, when we trust that the power of our circumstances to sink us is greater than God's power to save us, we're gonna worry every single time. Now, a couple of thoughts that I've got about about uh, our circumstances being bigger than God. And, and, and the first one is this. If we'll worship more, we would worry less. If we would just remember and learn to worship more, we would what? We would worry what? Less. If we would what? Worship more, we would learn to do that. We would what? Worry what? Less. And here's why. Here's why. Because praise and worship creates proper perspective. You see, when, 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 when our circumstances are bigger than our God, it's not that our circumstances are really bigger than our God. It just means that our perspective is off. But see, praise and worship changes perspective. It puts things in the order that they, it, it causes us to be able to see reality. Are you following me? So when we begin to praise and worship God, what happens is, is that we begin to worship God, we begin to praise God, and then what, it, it turns and we begin to see God in the light that we should be seeing him. And we begin to say, you know what, God, all things are possible with you, God. All things are possible and I just simply trust you, God. You are bigger than my circumstances. Second thing that I would say about Worry happens when our circumstances are bigger than God is this. Replace your need to understand with trusting God. Replace your need to understand with trusting God. Go back to Proverbs 3, 5 again. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Watch this. And do not rely on your own understanding. Because sometimes we have a need. We say, God, when I understand it all, I'll trust you. Everybody listen to me. God doesn't work that way. When I understand how you're going to work, when I understand it, when I understand everything, then I'm going to trust you. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says, trust what? In the Lord with everything, everything, everything everything and what lean don't lean on your understanding it doesn't it doesn't mean that we shouldn't want to understand it doesn't mean that we shouldn't really pursue understanding it just means that we shouldn't we shouldn't depend on our own understanding and here's the reason here's the reason why this is important because when you're trusting God it's 
I'm pretty sure it's probably not going to turn out exactly the way that you think. Are you following me? I'll give you an example. I, I, I am a planner. I like a good plan. Anybody, any, anybody in the house like a good plan? I, I, I like a good plan, you know. And so uh, Sandy and I uh, also, we love cruises. And so a few months ago, um, we, we, we booked a cruiser. I, I don't know I, any, any cruisers in the house, man. I, I just, I just love them because you, there's something about when you get on that boat and it pulls away from the dock. I'm telling you, man, the angels begin to sing because it's all, all you can eat whenever you want to eat. <laughs> or if you just want to stay in your room in your underwear, they'll bring you food. I mean, just whatever. Not that I do that, but it'd be like, I know what Pastor John does when he's on. <laughs> so we're going on a cruise. And so I, you know, I planned everything before and I didn't want to be late to the terminal. I didn't want to fight the crowds. And so we booked a hotel close to the terminal and, and, and stayed there a night or two, you know, just kind of relaxed before we got on the cruise. And so, I mean, everything was working according to plan. Got up early that morning, we got our stuff downstairs and put it in the vehicle and got to the terminal. I mean, everything was just excellent. So we got into the terminal and there wasn't hardly anybody, just a few people in the terminal. So I'm thinking, oh, this is awesome. No crowds, no crowds, no crowds. So I, I had my backpack and I took my backpack off because we got to go through security. And when I uh, laid, the, uh, laid the, my backpack on the x-ray uh, machine, you know, it, it, put it puts it down. It just starts going through. Well, I went ahead and went through the metal detectors. The security guard asked me to come through. And I went on the other side. And I'm just kind of kicked back thinking my plan's working. Oh, this is awesome. No crowd. It's all good. And so I I'm, I'm, I'm happen to be watching the young lady that's watching the um, screen on the x-ray machine. And, and have you ever watch those guys in, in airports? Or whatever? Sometimes they're about half asleep. You, you ever watch them and think, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, you pay closer attention to that. So this young lady, she's about half asleep. And then all of a sudden I saw her eyes got big and she leaned in towards the screen. And, and I knew she's looking at my bag. That's, got, that's the only bag in there. I mean, there's. And so I'm thinking, what could she be looking at? What could be in there? And then I remembered. I had been to the um, gun range. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had been to the gun range the week before, but when I typically, when I would go to the gun range, I wouldn't carry that backpack. I had another backpack that I normally carry. But, and so I'm thinking, okay, I knew, I, I know I took those pistols out. Then I remembered in the side pocket, I had left a fully loaded magazine to a pistol. And so when I remembered it, I said, it's mine. I just told her, I said, it's mine. And I said, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a magazine to, to a pistol. And she said, well, we're going to have to investigate it. And I went, oh, my security came over and welcomed me to the, to the terminal. And, and Sandy, come on, Sandy, we're going to go over to security. And when I got over to security, there was a table there. And there was another guy that had left one bullet in his backpack. And he sat down there and I said, well, good to see you today. And then, Apparently your plan is not working either. So, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, guess what's happening? The terminal's filling up. The crowds are filling up. And I can hear it. And I'm like, oh, I can't stand this. Here's my point. You know what? We still got on the boat. It didn't go according to my plan, but we still got on the boat. 
Don't demand that you've got to understand in order to trust. Just trust and then you'll understand. That's the way God works. Can I better amen than that? Because listen, I'm telling you, you'll start worrying. If you're trying to figure it all out, you will find up, you will be this deep in the sin of worry. Take a note, write this one down. Worry happens when we misjudge God. Worry happens when we misjudge God. Worry worry happens when we misjudge God. This is important that I want you to hear this statement. How you judge God determines how you judge yourself. How you judge God determines how you judge yourself. And you're probably going, oh, where's he going with this one? How you judge God determines how you judge yourself. The question is, how do you judge God? How do you see? Is God some sort of just a distant being in heaven? Is God just some sort of a distant being in heaven just waiting on you to make a mistake so he can make an example out of you? Is God, is God just this some sort of distant person in heaven that maybe if you think you're good enough and you get life right that you'll see him one day and you'll get to know him then? Is, is, that, is that God to you? Is that how you judge God? Or is God just your creator? Is he your creator? Or, or is God, do you judge God or do you see God as your father? Because the way that you judge God determines the way that you judge yourself. Because if you see yourself just as part of creation, then to God, you see yourself as just an object. But if you see yourself as, if you see God, if you see God as your father, then you see him as your father and then you see yourself as a child. Pay close attention to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six. He's teaching on worry. He's talking about worry. Pay close attention to what he says. Matthew 6, 26 says, look at the birds in the sky, creation. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly what? Your heavenly what? Do you think Jesus used that word by accident? No. He didn't say your creator in heaven. He didn't use that. He said your father where in heaven what? Feeds them. Watch this. Listen to this next statement. Aren't you more valuable than they are? You see, if you judge God as your father, your trust in him will be easier. Are you following me? If you, if, if you, if you judge God as your father, your trust in him will become easier because you're not simply an object, but his child and you are worth everything to him. First Corinthians 6, 20 says, God bought you with a great price. So honor God with your body. You belong to what? Him. He bought you with what? A great price. What price was that? It wasn't silver or gold. It wasn't anything on this earth. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That is what God used to purchase you so that you could call him your what? Your father. How do you judge God? Because you judge him as your father. You see yourself as his child convinced that he can be trusted. That's a good point. I will give. Amen. 
If you take a note, write this down. Worry happens when you forget to pray. Worry happens when you forget to pray. Anybody in the house ever thought prayer was boring? If you, if you have thought that, raise your hand. Thank you for all of you honest people. I, some of you are like, I'm, I'm not saying that prayer is boring because I know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, so I, I, I'm going to raise my hand. There are times when I thought prayer was just boring. Yeah, it's just, just boring. But you know what? Prayer doesn't have to be that way. It's not supposed to be that way. Can somebody say amen to that? It didn't, it didn't have to be that way. So if prayer's boring, we're doing it wrong. Because, but listen, prayer should affect our attitude. Prayer should bring hope. Prayer should cause us to, to look towards our future, listen, with excitement and with great anticipation and with faith. Can somebody say to me, that's what prayer should be like. Listen, prayer's when you and God are looking towards your future together. It's when you and God are looking towards you. That's what prayer is. You, you and God are looking towards your future together. But listen, at the same time, you're remembering your past. And you're like, wait, are we really supposed to do that? Are we really supposed to look towards the future? Which, I, yeah, but, but looking back towards the past, are we really supposed to do that? Yeah, in some cases, yeah. And how many of you in the house are some things about the past that you want to forget? Like, you know, like Pastor John, you, Right. Listen, Philippians chapter four, verse six says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about what? All right, watch this. Instead, instead of worrying about all this stuff, instead, in other words, replace worry with something and it's pray about everything. So instead of worrying, what? Instead of worrying, what? It's just that simple. Instead of worrying, what? This is pretty fun. Instead of, no, anyway, I'll stop. (laughs) Watch this. Tell God what you need. You can God talking about the future. Watch this. And combine telling, talking to you, talking with God about your future. Combine that what with what? Yeah. Thank him for what he's done. That's the past that we're talking about. One of my favorite events in the Bible, hands down, is David and Goliath. I just love it. I just love David and Goliath. And I think one of my favorite parts of David and Goliath, and, and, and you, you're probably going to go, you are a weird pastor talking like you're about to. I think my favorite part about David and Goliath is when David cut Goliath's head off. I know that sounds morbid, that sounds gross, but that's just me. I just, not gross or morbid, I just like that part. You guys ever use your imagination when you read the Bible? Does anybody in the house do that? God gave you an imagination. It's not for the enemy. It's for God. When you read the Bible, it's awesome. It, a good imagination turns reading the Bible into an amazing experience. So when, I, when, I'm, when I'm looking and reading about in 1 Samuel 17 about David defeating Goliath and David knocks Goliath down with a stone, walks, runs up there and he pulls the sword out. In my mind, it's almost like I'm seeing Braveheart. I mean, I've just dated myself, but you know, taking the sword out. I don't, I don't think he just went... I don't think David did that. No, I don't think David just sort of just. No, no. I think when David drew that sword out, he, he drew, it, uh, drew it out and, and held it above his head and screamed, freedom. He probably didn't, but I like I liked to think it was that way. <laughs> But, but he did, he did pull out the sword and he lifted up and he came down across uh, Goliath's neck and boom, yeah. head, body, 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> right? But then he does something else that I, I think is pretty interesting. He, 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 takes, he, he takes a sword, and in my mind, I think he just sort of sticks it under his arm. And he takes some of the armor off of Goliath, and he, he, he gets that on him somehow. And then he grabs the head, and he picks up the head. And he starts going back later. Eventually, he makes it back to the camp. It makes it back to the camp of Israel. And can you just imagine? David's coming back from this battle. And he's walking. He's got a head in his hand. He's got the armor's bigger than him. He's got the sword under him. And, and, you know, folks are watching him. And he's got this head. And he's walking up there. And he just hands him the head. Here you go. You take that. I'm like, thanks for the head. I appreciate that. But the Bible says that he took the sword. And he took the armor. And he put those things in his tent. Why? Why would he do that? Now, I can't prove this, but you can't disprove it. And when we get to heaven, God will tell you I was right. <laughs> Let's just say when he, when he went in there and he put that sword in the tent and he put that armor in the tent. Let's just say he also reached into his shepherd bag and he pulled out the li- a lion's tooth. And he laid that down. And then he reached back into his shepherd's bag where the four stones are at. And he pulled out a a bear's claw. And he laid that in the corner. And he arranged them just right. Now we know know later he gave that sword up. And that's that's another great story, part of the story. He gave the sword up. But he still had the armor. And and let's just say he moved from the tent to one day he went into his castle. He went into his place as he was a king. How many times do you think David would have walked into his trophy room? And he looked and he saw that armor and he saw the lion's tooth and he saw a bear claw. How many times that when he saw that? I'm wondering, I'm wondering if he was in his tent. I'm wondering if he was in his trophy room when he wrote, when he wrote this, Psalms, Psalm 103. I'm wondering if he was looking, if he was looking at this armor, and if he was looking at the claw and the and the and the, and the lion's tooth when he wrote, "Praise the Lord, O my soul; praise the Lord, praise His holy name, all that is within me. Praise the Lord, my soul, and watch this: never forget all the good He has done." I wonder if he was looking. I wonder if he was looking at those trophies when he wrote that. Here's my question. When is the last time you went to your trophy room? When's the last time you visited your trophy room to pray? When? Because when you go to the trophy room, prayer becomes awesome. Prayer becomes amazing. Because you're not just talking about your future with God. You're also, come on now, you're also celebrating his goodness. And you're going to know what God was good to me then. And I'm excited about the future God. Because the same, you're the same father that, that, that gave me the lion, that gave me the bear, that gave me God. You're the same. You're the same God, Father, that did this. And I believe you're the same God that's going to cause my future to be better than my past. As I wrap up this morning, where it happens when we have too many options. Where it happens when we have too many options. Does this ever happen to you guys? You get up, you decide, we're going to go have something to eat. Step number one. You know where I'm going with this? 
Step number two, where we're going to go eat. I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. I don't care. Where do you want to go? I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. No, 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 really. I, I just want whatever you want. What are you hungry for? I don't know what I'm hungry for. Been there, done that. You know why? There's so many options. <laughs> now, if you, I, my parents live in Spring Hill, Louisiana, not too far away from here. It's a small community, small town. But if you were there, the discussion as to where you're going to go eat, pretty short. Because <laughs> you only got about three places. You want to go to Sonic? I don't want to go to Sonic. You want to go to Pizza Hut? No, I don't want Pizza Hut. If my dad's involved with the conversation, it's casseroles, etc. That's where we go in. Casseroles, etc. Pretty easy. Or about, what about when you go into a restaurant? You do make it to a restaurant and you get the menu. Anybody ever eaten at the Cheesecake Factory? The menu, it's like this thick. I don't like going there because it's just too many options. I mean, one thing is for sure, I'm getting some cheesecake before I leave that place. I know I'm going to get cheesecake. But it's just so, so many what options. What are we talking about? We're talking about, we're talking about, listen, we're talking about simplifying our life. We're talking about not allowing worry to get into our life. A lot of times we worry when we get too many options. As a grocery store presented customers with the different sampling stations, one with 24 flavors of jam, and the other only had six options. The results of the study revealed that the availability of six options resulted in 30% of consumers purchasing at least one jar of jam. While the sampling station of 24 flavors had a conversion rate of only 3%, while the larger selection attracted more onlookers, the smaller selection actually generated more sales. In other words, you got 24 different options. They sold less. It was less productive. It was less effective. The one that only had six actually sold a lot more. Too many options. Listen, what's true about what you consume is true about what and who you trust. Because we can, with so many options, we can worry about making the right decisions and choosing the right option. And when we choose the right option, is it the wrong option? And all these different things. But what if we decided, what if we decided there's really not that many options? What if we, what if we decided, what if we decided there are really not that many options? There, there are not a lot of options for us. What if we only decided there's only one option? Wouldn't it make life easier? Wouldn't it simplify life if we just said, I've only got one option? Just one. And what if I, what if I begin to order my life just around that one option? What if I did that? Wouldn't it make life a lot more simple? We're not going to worry about all these different things. Matthew 6, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus was, Jesus was saying, really, guys, just choose. There's only one option. Just one option. And his righteousness and all these things. What? What? 
What is God saying right now? What is God saying in this place right now? Is he talking to us? I believe he's saying this. I believe God is saying, reduce your option to me. I believe God is saying, reduce your options to just me in my way of doing life. Just one. Life is a lot more simple. And you have a lot less reasons to worry. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. Watch this. And He will make your paths what? Not complicated. A simplified life. Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.